What's up, everybody? Michael Johnson here with the Business Choreography Podcast, and I'm excited you joined me today because today we have a very special guest, Whitney Hahn. Whitney is a really cool cat. I can't wait to share with you. Whitney is a seasoned business guide with over two decades of leadership. Whitney's approach is straightforward, just the right tools and training to enhance your project profitability. She believes in tracking the myth or tackling the myth of work-life balance and advocating for a more integrated whole life impact. Guys, we're so lucky to have her here today and to be able to share her wisdom. Oh my gosh, I can't wait for you to meet her. Let's cue the intro and we'll jump right in. Listen, there's a lot to learn when growing and scaling your business. That's why we created the Business Choreography Podcast, where we talk about choreographing your marketing, operations, and sales into dynamic systems that increase your revenue and your impact. We'll explore solid business principles and discuss all things that make businesses dance to success with clarity. We'll help you figure out where the holes are in your business and what you can do to fix them. Think of us as your official business choreographers, aka your insider growth strategists. Remember, your choreography matters. Welcome to the Business Choreography Podcast. Whitney, thank you so much for joining us today. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Happy to sashay on over, Michael. That was a that was a dance reference just for you. I love it. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. It's it comes from all your dance awards in the background there. That's not what they're for. So no <laughs> one would award my dance moves. It's sweet dance moves to me, but that's no, that's okay. <laughs> I'll leave that to you and Lexi. Oh, that's awesome. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, I'm excited to have you on the show. You have got an incredible framework that you are going to share with us today and teach us about and share some incredible knowledge that you've acquired through your journey. But I can't let you start that until we talk about your backstory, because I know that there are a lot of listeners out there at different stages in their business and I think it's really helpful and beneficial for us all to kind of hear how everybody else is getting there. Because I think it's easy to think that we're the only ones going through this crazy journey and that it's how, how can I be the only one that this is happening to. But anyway, we would love to hear your story. Share with us how you got to here today doing these incredible things. My journey as an entrepreneur actually started when I was very little. My parents owned their own business as well. And so being your own small business owner was modeled for me since before I was born. And when I was very small, I would have small parts in the business. Like I would give pony rides or I would sell balloons or I would help my mom in the admissions area of the uh, attraction that they own. And so all of the work that was involved in owning a business was modeled for me. But what I saw my parents struggle with was a lack of systems. So right. as I grew up and I uh, went into the workforce, I worked for other people. And then I, you know, one of those days when we all get a wild hair and we say, we, we put our hands on our hips and we say, I could do this better, naively perhaps, and started my own business. I was good at creating video. I was a radio host. I was a video host. And I said, I'm going to go do my own video production. And so I partnered with my now wife and we started a video production company. And I think the journey of I'm good at making something, therefore I'm going to go start a business around that thing <laughs> is a pretty common one. I bet you and Lexi encounter that a lot, don't sure. you? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and, and the trouble with that, I mean, it's a great inspiration point, but often what makes us a masterful maker does not make us an outstanding owner. 
because right. and, and you you know this as well as I do the moment you open the doors to your own business because you know how to make pies and you want to be a baker or you're an engineer and so you create an automation business for manufacturing companies the moment you start your business you're now also responsible for not just being that masterful maker you have to do staffing and HR, insurance, investments, cash flow management, systems, processes, overhead, all the things, and you don't yet know how to do that. So very, very quickly, so many small businesses struggle with that. And I was certainly one of them. I made so many mistakes, Michael. You just, I, I would be embarrassed to tell you all of them. And we certainly don't have time to list all of them on your podcast today. <laughs> but I know I'm not alone in this. As you mentioned, we, we all come to it from different aspects, but we so frequently struggle with the same number of things. And, and it's that struggle that accounts for 65% or so, two out of three small businesses going dark within 10 years of opening. Right. Um, and it doesn't have to be that way. So the framework that you're going to allow me to pull the curtain back on a little bit today, my hope is that it helps people understand how to grow their business while outgrowing their busyness and avoiding a lot of that overwhelm that just depletes our life instead mm -hmm. of supporting our life. That's right. that whole life impact that I want for everybody who is bold enough to start a business. Sure. Well, or crazy enough, I guess is. <laughs> is Two the, things can be true, my friend. <laughs> that's true. That is true. Well, that's great. I mean, that's that's a great intro, and and I am so excited to hear about the framework and be able to share it with everybody. Uh, let's dig into that, and let's dig right into the guts of what what you want to share with us today. Fantastic. Well, the framework has six different parts to it. And the metaphor that I want you to think about and to picture is an airplane, a commercial airplane. Uh, if you're watching this on the YouTube version of it, you'll see there's a picture of an airplane over my shoulder. And an airplane has six parts the way that we're going to talk about it today. In the cockpit, you've got your leadership, your sales and marketing make up each one of the wings. You've got the uh, overhead, which is the body of the plane, where all your passengers are and in your business, that's your employees, your staff, all of those things. You've got the fuel in the tank, that's your cash flow. And all of these systems need to work together if your business, like an airplane, is to go far and fast. If you run out of fuel, for example, you're not going to go very far. If the body of your airplane, that overhead is huge, but you've got little tiny wings, you don't have to be an engineer to understand that that plane is not going to go far. And if there's no leadership in the cockpit, you're going to go someplace, but it might not be where you want to go. So when you understand how to proactively optimize each one of those parts of the plane, your business life and your whole life becomes a whole lot easier. It's professionalizing your opt operation and the framework helps you do that. Now, I know you love to dance. You understand there are steps to every dance that you do. There's the choreography. And so these are steps that almost anyone can learn and implement. And when you do that with intention, you're going to resolve a lot of the problems that so many of those owner makers struggle with. You're just applying this framework, a recipe, if you will, if you're the baker, it's a recipe. If you're an engineer, you're going to engineer it the same way. So the first part is always uh, the leadership. It's the cockpit. If you are going to run an organization, but you don't know where you're going, there's no leadership in the cockpit. Again, you'll go someplace, but it may not be where you want to go. Sure. So when you think about the leadership, the, what I want you to think about is determining at least three 
core economic objectives, and also three core, what I call, economic objectives. Again, I'm, I'm not somebody who subscribes to an endless hustle culture of 80 hours a week. It's just not sustainable. It's not the business that I wanted to build. And yet many times, and in my early days, I made these mistakes as well. Many times, small business owners will build a business because of all the pressure that we get, some somewhat romanticized notion of entrepreneurship that is out there in the United <laughs> States, at least. And it's this endless hustle culture. And we find that we're missing core events in our family's lives. Our health might be suffering. Our relationships might be suffering. We're not contributing to our communities. Those are not, sorry, those are economic objectives that our economic objectives can be in conflict with. So I want you to think about both of those side by side. What's driving your business financially? Because it is a business and you want it to be economically sound. Otherwise it becomes, a very expensive hobby very quickly. I also want you to think about your economic objectives. Last year, for example, my economic objectives included, included taking a lifelong dream vacation to Fiji with my spouse, which we did. And then later that year, that same year, I took a cruise with my parents who are in their early 80s and are still able to travel. And so if not now, when they said, we wanna to go to Canada and to, New England and Whitney, you need to take us. And I said, you betcha. And so we had a great trip. So I'm able to do that. I had six weeks of vacation last year. My financial objectives were met and I've structured my business to allow for both sides of that. So I have whole life impact. Your economic objectives, of course, you need to set that in your business. You need to be the one out front reminding everyone on your team, even if that's just one person or yourself over breakfast, that's where we're going. That's the mountain that we're climbing and here's how we're going to get there. This is what will make us a healthy, sustainable business. So that's the first thing. And I see you nodding on the podcast because you're like, yeah, economic objectives. I need to think about that for myself. Do you find they often get lost in the businesses that you work with? A hundred percent. The hustle culture in the United States for sure is, is, sort of bleeding over into other countries as well. We have clients all over the world and they want to be like the US in some instances. Uh, and and I see it happening all the time. And I, I, I see so much value in making sure that you take care of the things that are most important to you. Absolutely. Otherwise, why, why are you working so hard? Indeed. If it's, if it's not supporting your life and it's only disrupting and depleting your life, maybe that's not the path for you and that's okay there's no shame in that just right. go into it with eyes wide open ready for step two the second part it. of the, the airplane yeah the second part of the airplane is going to take us to one of those wings because that's where an airplane gets its lift you have little tiny wings you you don't you can't get much altitude so sales is on one wing marketing is on the other wing let's talk about marketing first marketing needs to be very clear if you want to become a customer magnet for the right types of customers, your ideal customers, you need to be very clear in your marketing. The trouble I see is that many organizations just are not clear about who they serve and the problem that they solve. Um, here in the United States, we're a few weeks away when we're recording this podcast, at least we're a few weeks away from the Super Bowl. And I love doing what I call the Super Bowl commercial test. So many people here will watch the Super Bowl, even if they're not into sports, 
because we love the creative commercials. You may do this as well. Yes. Indeed. Okay. What I love to do is talk to people the day after the Super Bowl, the day after, within 24 hours of when they've just watched commercials that brands have spent millions of dollars in some cases to create and to get aired, and ask them, what were some of your favorite Super Bowl commercials? And so I love the one where the dog does this, or I love the one where the grandma says that. Fantastic. What was the brand? And you might be surprised to know that we cannot name the brand behind our favorite commercials. We love the story. Maybe it was very creative. Maybe it was visual. It was dynamic. But the brand did not do a good enough job connecting the problem it solved or the feeling it conveyed with that commercial. So we let clever win over clarity. And if huge brands are spending millions of dollars on their creative com commercials and still making that mistake, small business owners are easily doing the same thing. And so when you go yeah, ahead. Absolutely. I, I mean, I, I second that 100%. So when you get clear on your message, you are able to create a magnetic force for the right customers. And clarity comes from basically having two crosshairs. What's the problem you solve for a particular person experiencing that? So I bake pies for people who have gluten allergies might be a clear marketing message for our imaginary baker, or I help manufacturers uh, resolve automation problems. That could be more focused, but you understand what I'm saying. You, you have to be very, very clear. And the more clear you are, the easier it is to become that customer magnet. On the other side of the wing, then you have the sales. Marketing and sales need to work in tandem. In total, I just like to refer to this as sales enablement, because if you are able to be visible and create a good rapport with a right fit client or prospect, then you want to be able to close the sale. The salespeople sometimes struggle to do this because of a few things. First of all, they don't remind the customer of the problem they're having and are clear about how they're able to help solve it. And second of all, sometimes, and this is going to sound silly, but they fail to ask for the sale. There's no clear call to action. And it would be like you going to one of your favorite uh, dances and standing as a wallflower bobbing your head and swinging your hips and tapping your toe and whatever you do, you're sending all the indications that you're into the music, but you never go ask anyone to dance. And that's what we sometimes do in sales. So having clear marketing messages and a clear sales path go hand in hand if you want your business to thrive, if you want that airplane to go far and fast. Are you with me so far, Michael? Absolutely. Absolutely. Such an important element. I mean, even just if, even if they just stopped at the first one with just understanding and defining the problem that they solve, this would Definitely. this would be a needle mover, and it would certainly make that wing of that plane bigger. Uh, but doing both together and, and finding that clarity is imperative. I love it. Let's keep going. The more, the more specific you are, as well, the the better it is. Uh, for right. example, if if I came out to Utah to visit you and your family, Michael, I would say, "Hey, oh, do you know a place where I could get a great steak?" There might be dozens of places near you that serve steak. 
Sure. There are probably one or two places that would rise instantly to the top of your thought because steak is what they're known for. Right. Now, if we go there and you don't eat steak, but you're being a nice host and you're taking me because I wanted a good steak, they probably also have chicken, fish, maybe some vegetarian options on the menu, but that's not what they're known for. So when you think of your own sales and marketing and your product menu, and product's what we're going to talk about next, think about the thing you want to be known for because that becomes a very compelling positioning statement for you. If I'm a steak eater, I'm going to go to that restaurant for steak. Their menu offers some other things as well. As a provider of services, my menu might offer some other things as well. But if I become known for a specific thing, what have I done? I've elevated my value. I've elevated my expertise for a particular person experiencing a particular problem. In this case, Whitney's hungry for some steak. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So the fourth area is the product offerings that you have. And, and by the way, I know for purposes of our podcast timing, I'm going through all these in summary form. If you want to know how your business stacks up against these six parts and what you can do about it, there is a free assessment that I've set up on my site just for the listeners of Business Choreography. Just go to provokebetter.com forward slash business choreography, and you'll be able to take a free about 10 minute assessment to find out more about these six parts and how you can improve your business by making more intentional choices there. So we were just about to go to the fourth one here. The fourth one is about products. The fourth one says when you are the solution provider for a particular type of client experiencing a particular type of problem, you're in a much better position when you're the provider than a provider, a choice among many. Those restaurants, for example, that might all serve steak, but they're not known for steak. So you are able to do that by taking a look at all of the things that you could do and refining the list to the things that you do very well under a specific set of circumstances. For the clients that I work with as an advisor, many of them are surprised by how much they can, they can focus their product offering and get at the same or better profitability out of it because they are that known solution provider. Uh, an example, let me give an example. Uh, working with a small video production agency in Virginia, there are about five people on the team, and they're doing what many small business owners do. They take pretty much any project that comes along. Can I point a camera at it and make a video out of it? Yes, I can. Then I will be your I will be your vendor. I will be the person that does that. So I said, look, let's let's audit what you've been doing over the last two years. And they made a list of every project that they'd done, every client by name and the dollar amount that they rev uh, generated, rather, the revenue that they generated from those projects. So I looked it over, and pretty quickly I was able to draw a line across it for the first 10 clients, and I calculated the annual revenue they got from those 10 clients versus everybody else on that list. And at that time, that was about 42 or 43 clients. I handed it back to him. I said, did you realize the top 10 clients on your list accounted for 50% of your revenue? They hadn't. I said, what would your business look like? How would your processes improve? How would your stress levels reduce? How would your profitability increase if you just twinned your top 10 clients and had 20 clients all doing a similar type of work next year instead of 42 clients that you had to try to manage? 
Well, they shook their heads pretty quickly and said, that would be an interesting thing, Whitney. How do we do that? I said, well, let's take a look at your top 10 clients. What were they buying from you? What industry were they in? How close to your business were they? Let's find the common traits. And then we'll have an ideal client profile and we can clone that. So this is mixing a little bit of your sales and marketing intentionality with your product intentionality, but a whole plane is a whole plane. You can't fly a plane with just one wing. You, you have to look at your whole business. Absolutely. So, so they did, and they narrowed their focus to manufacturing businesses who need recruitment and training. Over the next year, Michael, they've doubled their profitability by focusing what they do and being known for a specific thing. So the recommendation in this part of the airplane is do a product audit. Take a look at your clients, figure out the best th thing that you can do for a particular problem they're having at a particular time in their, in their uh, life cycle, and then systemize how you deliver that. That's going to be your best route to profitability. And you're becoming an expert in solving that problem while you're doing that. That's great. Fifth up on the list, that's the overhead, the big body of the airplane. Expenses, expenses, expenses. This is another part where makers who are masterful at making the pie forget about the insurance and the taxes and all of the other, the marketing expenses. What do you mean I have to pay $10,000 for a website? Honey, that's a good price. Go get it. You know, whatever it is. <laughs> So managing your overhead uh, is really important. And for many, many businesses, the biggest overhead expense is, you tell me, I know you know the answer. People. Yes, your labor force. Over the last few years, post-pandemic, we've seen labor forces change dramatically. We have remote workforces. Uh, in my area, at least, maybe it's the same where you are. A lot of the employers are struggling to find great talent, and they're all in like these bidding wars based on hourly wage or signing bonus or something like that. And that 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 is an immediate fix, but not a long-term fix. Because as soon as someone across town offers another 50 cents an hour, guess what? That person that you've tried to work with and been starting to train, they're going to jump ship and they're going to go someplace else. So having a way that you can recruit like a marketer, bring these folks up to speed really quickly with strong SOPs, a 90-day success plan, a way that they know how they're doing, these are all critical. And uh, we're doing a lot of things with our clients right now, for example, that's using some AI tools to help them really document and refine their SOPs, their 90-day success plans and the way that they continue to engage their workforce with the larger objectives of the organization, those economic objectives that our leadership in the cockpit have already defined. Because people really want to know how they're, what they're doing every day connects with the larger organizational mission. Right. And we often just fail to communicate that. So in, in that fifth part of the airplane, make sure that if you want to have a lean operation, you are really empowering your workforce to do their best work by connecting what they're doing every day with what the organization needs to be done. What's the, what's the, that big mountain that you want to climb together and how are you helping them succeed inside that story? Amazing. The, the sixth and final thing that we are looking at is the, uh, cash flow, the gas in the tank. Again, if you if you have everything else beautiful, but you've got no gas in the tank, you've got a museum piece and not a flying, functioning, 
business. So managing your cash flow is, is really important for small business owners. And I know too many of us that bury our heads in the sand and say, I'm not a numbers person. You know what? If you're running a business, you need to learn to be a numbers person. So set up a cash flow dashboard, like an equipment dashboard in your airplane, where you can see what your expenses and revenue will be in the weeks and months to come and manage that in a few accounts. Um, I don't know, Michael, if you're a, a Mike Michalowicz fan, the author of Profit First. It's one of his. Of okay. Sip of water here. Uh, in Profit First, he talks about seven bank accounts that you can set up. For many small business owners, five is enough. Uh, but you do want to set those up so that your personal expenses and your business expenses are separate. You've got your operational fund. So you know every month I need to have $50,000 in operational fund to cover payroll, my insurance, my marketing expenses, uh, my therapy expenses, whatever it is <laughs> you have as a, as a small business owner, have that in, in the operational fund. And then, and this is going to blow many people's minds, have a operational rainy day fund that's generating interest for you where, where you've got your savings for your business. Over the course of the last year and a half, for example, I've built up six months worth of operational expenses in an interest bearing account. Now, you know what that allows me to do? It allows me to have a sexy degree of confidence when I go into a sales call because I don't have to win every one. Right. I, I can be very selective with the clients that I take on. I don't have to take on junk. I don't have to take on needy, impatient, cranky people if I don't want to because their operational expenses are in there. The fuel reserve tank is full. So you want to have one of those. Uh, it's good to have one designated just for taxes. Again, we're recording this in January. I'm going to have a tax bill due in a few months and I already know what it's going to be, but I'm not freaking out at all because I've already set that aside. We don't want a tax bill to be the thing that tanks our business. So have a tax tax account, your operating expense account, uh, keep your business profit separate from your personal profit. And, and if you filled all of those tanks, the very last one is what we call investment holding. This is how we might be able to be in a position like you and Lexi you're in, which is to reinvest what we've earned in helping grow other businesses. We benefit from it as well, but then we're, we're building more passive income. We might even be building towards like uh, legacy wealth or generational wealth. And that's a really exciting thing to be thinking about as well. So those are the five basic accounts you want as you help manage the cash flow in your business and make sure you're never going to run out of fuel. I love it. That's so important. And, and such an easily missed item on the list. Yes, particularly for people who quote unquote, don't do numbers, you will need right. to learn how to do numbers and, and it's not all that difficult. Absolutely. Absolutely. Those are the six parts of the airplane. Uh, again, there's a free 10 minute assessment at provokebetter.com forward slash business choreography, where you can find out how your business is currently grading on each one of those six parts of the airplane. It comes back to you in an email customized report that you can utilize to then start to make those changes in your business that will help you grow your business while outgrowing your busyness. I love that. Holy cow, what a cool framework and what an easy metaphor to remember from thinking about it just like a, an airplane. We're all so familiar with that and, and it makes so much sense. 
I appreciate you coming and sharing your framework with us and being able to get us so much knowledge in such a short period of time. Guys, I'm so excited for you to go check out uh, provokebetter.com slash business choreography. Go check it out and utilize the gift that she's giving you because for goodness sakes, it's right there. Go check it out. Go do it. Go take advantage of it. Uh, I can't let you go today, Whitney, without leaving us with some sage words of wisdom. So uh, do you have any last words that you can share with us today? Well, I hope they're not ultimately my last words, just the last words for this podcast. Right? Yeah, just for today. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> my, my last words for today are, to, are it's actually a mindset that I want you to adopt, which is that there is a river of opportunity flowing by at all times. And all you need to do is take your cup and dip into it. When you do that, you will be able to choose the projects that you want more and more. You, able, you, will, you will bring that abundance mindset with you to lots of different aspects of your life. And I think you will just find that life supports you more than it depletes you. I love that. That is great. Whitney, thank you so much for being here today and sharing your wisdom with us in this beautiful framework. Uh, it's such an honor to have you on the show. And uh, of course, all of you listening, you got to keep choreographing your business, all parts of the business, or it won't take off and fly. So go check out Whitney's stuff and uh, make sure you, you let her know how much you appreciated this. So until next time, keep choreographing your business. We'll see you guys on the next episode. Take care. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for joining us today. Want more business choreography? Check out our website at bizchoreo.com to find out more. And find out how the choreography for your marketing operations and sales can raise your revenue and create more impact. Remember, every business needs choreography.